0: Hi, I'm Paul Shepard, your Mindset Coach, and I'm here to help you change your mindset so you can create the life you truly want to live. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Johnny Crowder, a suicide and abuse survivor who in 2018 launched an incredible digital resource for people struggling with their mental health. It's called Cope Notes. Johnny is also a touring musician with his band Prison and a motivational speaker whose refreshing approach to mental health in his TEDx talks have been watched by over a million people. Welcome, Johnny.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Paul.
0: I have to ask straight away, can you tell me about the TEDx talk and what was important that you wanted to convey to your audience? I
1: think it was just that we have this expectation that the brain will get with the program. Like right when we decide that we're going to change something in our lives, we expect our brain to like hop to and act immediately. But actually our brains don't want to change overnight. They are very used to like routine and structure. So I wanted people to understand like, you know, if you don't magically feel better after one therapy session or after reading one book, that is not your fault. It's not because you're stupid or you're not applying yourself. It's like, that's just a product of the brain functioning at the pace that it normally functions. And the, the comparison that I've made before is like, we don't expect to do a couple pushups and be huge and swole and have really defined muscles. We know that that takes time. And, and the talk really goes into detail as to why your brain takes a long time to make those changes.
0: Uh, no i love it and and did you expect to have such a response to your talk
1: i certainly prayed for it but i you know there are ted talks out there with 20 million views or something there are also so many ted talks i never knew this before there are thousands upon thousands of ted talks that have like Mm. 50 views, a hundred views. I mean, there's just so many of them. So I knew I I had no idea what to expect. I know I prayed like, God, let this reach as many people as possible. But um, as far as expectations, I was just hoping that like the people who did watch it, however many people that would be, would feel like they could judge themselves less and have a little more hope for their own mental and emotional progress.
0: No, and as I said, it's obviously what you did worked, but you talked about mental health in a refreshing way. It was really nice just to see someone who's been through, obviously, you know, what you've been through and to then turn that around so that you're actually a mental health advocate. And... You know, you've worked. For, you know, you do a lot of work in regards to helping people with mental health, and you've created this. And you've created uh, Cope Notes. What was it that do you think drove you to, from your experiences, to create Cope Notes?
1: I had a lot of issues with my experience with treatment. Like, you know, I would have a great therapy session, for example, and not all of them were great. Actually, a lot of them didn't feel so great, but let's say hypothetically, I have a wonderful therapy session and then I leave my therapist's office and I have six days and 23 hours of real life, like outside of that safe little room that my therapist had with like the box of tissues and the couch. Mm. No, I'm out in the elements. I'm out interacting with other people and things are happening in my life and those were the times when I needed support. I didn't, you know, it's not that therapy didn't help me, but it's that I needed a little bit every day. I needed a little bit of support on those days when I couldn't see somebody. And honestly, the hardest part was me mustering up the initiative to do something on those days. Like, think about it. If you want to not feel depressed anymore, but a depression symptom is lack of motivation, then how are you going to have the motivation to end your own or to work towards ending your own depression? Like it was this cycle of me wanting to feel better, but not knowing what to do next or not having the energy or the motivation to, to do something, even though I wanted to see change. So I was like, how can we fill those gaps? Those on those days when people aren't seeing the normal people that support them Mm in a way that doesn't require them to make the conscious decision to use the resource. Cause if you bought me a book, a self-help book mm-hmm. that would have changed my life, but it sits on my dresser and I never open it, then you didn't help me. So I was like, how do we make a book that like basically places itself in somebody's lap once a day and says like, read a couple sentences, you know?
0: And, uh, yeah. And so this is, this is how Coke notes is formed. And, so, talk, talk me through the science of cope notes. What was it that again? Because I know that a lot has gone into this, and I know that you're a bit of a, a geek when it comes to the brain. And you know, I mean, again, to tell me, you know, what it is what is it that forms, you know the you know the bones of cope notes, and what a person would get from uh, getting these messages.
1: Yeah, this is actually the the science behind Cope Notes is why I wanted to do an interview on a show that has mindset change in the title, because this is like the most empowering thing that I ever learned was that you can change the way you think about things. Honestly, this should be taught in schools, in public schools. Like I thought I was doomed with a brain that just viewed things from a negative perspective that was angry and spiteful and bitter and cold. And that's the way I lived my life. I figured, well, this is the brain I'm stuck with. That's the way it's always going to be. And interestingly, when I was in school, Um, for psychology, I was learning that the brain, I was learning all about neuroplasticity and brain training and how just like you can shape your bicep by doing bicep curls, you can change the way your brain is shaped by doing mental exercises. And really what's happening with Coke notes, a lot of people are like, okay, cool. You send text messages to people that, you know, make them feel better. That's adorable. But like, It's not real science. And I'm like, okay, are you ready for this? Here's the real science. Every time you think a thought, the synapses in your brain communicate with each other. That's basically what's happening is one synapse shoots a charge across a synaptic cleft to another synapse. And that's all that's happening. And the more often you think a thought, the closer those synapses grow to each other to shorten the distance that that charge has to travel. So your brain is like, lazy. It wants to conserve calories. So, if you think a negative thought like um, my laugh is annoying or I'm not smart enough to work at my job, um, those negative thoughts, the more often you think them, the more comfortable they are for your brain to think. And then your brain just doubles down and always thinks the most comfortable thought. So, these thought patterns are forming all the time by those synapses migrating closer together to improve the efficiency of that thought. So, when we send a text message, it acts as an ecological momentary intervention or EMI. And that's a fancy way of saying that these messages are interrupting negative thought patterns in real time and allowing those synapses associated with the negative thought to grow a little further apart. And then other synapses associated with positive thought to grow a little closer together in their place. I don't know if that made sense to anybody listening, but if you don't fully understand yet i encourage you to google cognitive restructuring google neuroplasticity google brain brain training and kind of like once you wrap your head around the fact that you can teach your brain to think different thoughts you i can't explain how empowering it is to know that
0: no i i was with you it's i just was recalling as you were talking how i thought the same thing when i had anxiety i thought i was going to be stuck with it forever i didn't know that thoughts you know uh, were not real i just thought that the way that i was thinking was going to be that was going to be it forever and that i was going to be stuck with my anxiety forever i couldn't see a way out of it and as i said when i realized that actually just by i had a i didn't realize that i could just by thinking differently i began to rewire the brain I didn't realize that. And when I'm like, CBT is, is is useful for that. But it does really point out, doesn't it, that our narratives really do shape our brains. What we say to ourselves, what we think, has a, such a huge impact on the way that we experience reality. And so your notes actually encourage a, a change in that thinking. So it, it, instead of, if we're, if we're comfortable thinking negative thoughts, your cope notes create a little bit of distance so that someone begins to think and feel a little differently
1: yeah i think a lot of people including myself for a long time i thought that um if i have a negative thought that's the thought that i have mm-hmm. like that's just what's happening in my brain what am i supposed to do about that i didn't realize that i could challenge negative thoughts so for example um if i think you know my friends don't like me If I think my friends don't want to spend time with me and the reason why I didn't get invited to my friend's birthday party was because they don't like me. And then that's the thought that exists in my brain. But then I can challenge that and say, well, wait, let's consider a few other factors here. Number one, they went to a hookah lounge and bar. And you're clean and sober, so you don't smoke or drink. They know that last time you invited them to a pool hall that they smoked inside, you said you didn't want to go inside because you have asthma. So let's kind of think about maybe there's some other details here that you're conveniently leaving out to make it sound like your friend doesn't like you. And It's almost like you play a lawyer in your head and the negative thought is on one side of the stand. That's like the prosecution. And then you have your defense lawyer. That's like, well, wait a second. I don't know about that. Did you, Have you considered this, this, and this? And it's like you can create a dialogue inside of your mind where you can consider, maybe I don't suck. Maybe I'm not weak. And you can kind of stick up for yourself. And most people don't know that they can defend themselves that way.
0: So uh, um, with your cope notes, you send people questions as well. Is that right? And uh, so there are things that they can get begin to think about. So it's not just statements like a positive you know, you are awesome or anything. I don't know what you send, but it's, do you, what is it that a person would receive that would get, that get them to question their thinking?
1: Yeah. I, I think a big misconception around code notes is like, Oh, you just text people like smile mm. or be happy. And it's like, that's not helpful. Like what? I mean, you could see that on a coffee mug. That's not really, you know, where's the psychology in that. And actually all the text messages that we send, You know, whether it's a journaling prompt, um, an exercise, a psychology fact, a, um, you know, there are all these different types of content that we send. But I think what's really cool is that number one, they're all written by peers with lived experience, which is really cool. So it's written by people with firsthand experience saying like, this is what I wish someone would have said to me when I was going through it. So, it has that empathy component baked in. Number two, they're all reviewed by mental health professionals to make sure that they're actually legit. And then third, they're all based on proven psychological principles. So, they're actually teaching your brain new ways to reframe the things happening in your life, new ways to think. Um, So, we're not just sending platitudes, we're sending like prompts and catalysts for your brain to think different thoughts. So, it's kind of like a a health education tool where rather than you having to bury your head in a textbook for hours every day like I did for years, you can have these like tiny little bits of cognitive restructuring opportunity served to you in your daily life.
0: See, that just sounds incredible because as I said, I wish that I'd had something like that when I had my anxiety disorder, what difference do you think it would have made to you if you'd had cope notes when you were going through your struggles? Wow.
1: Um, great question. I think I would have stopped self-harming way sooner. I think that I would have, um, engaged with professional support way sooner. I think that I have I would have maintained a lot of my interpersonal relationships that have been negatively affected by my illnesses. Um, and I think I would have ultimately, and this is a big one, I would have been a heck of a lot more kind to myself when I was going through it. Like, I judged myself so much. I would say like, oh, you have to go to therapy. Well, that just means you're weak and you can't get through it on your own. I beat myself up, dude. All of this like, this illogical self-talk that was just so unkind and brutal to myself. Things I would never say to a friend, but things I said to myself on a daily basis. I think if I was using cope notes, I would have learned to challenge some of that negative self-talk and be like, no, you know what? I'm not weak. It takes a heck of a lot of strength to book a therapy appointment. It mm. takes twice as much strength to show up. And I would like that ability to stick up for myself, I think would have, would have changed my entire recovery journey and, uh, and ultimately made it a lot more bearable and a lot shorter.
0: I agree. I think I'd, if I'd had notes like this, I think I would have been kinder to myself too. I thought I was a failure. For not being able to sort this mm-hmm. out by myself, I might have taken medication sooner, and I might have had therapy a bit earlier. But it was all of these things where you're kind of tricked by a mental health condition into thinking there's shame around it, and that you should just deal with it by yourself. And a product like Cope Notes encourages people to, you know, reach out and get help because, as I said, it's we, we isolate ourselves so much when it, when it comes to mental health. And yet there's a plethora of really helpful support out there, so that's just why I like your product because it's I know people that would really benefit from this.
1: Dude, it's interesting to hear you share about that judgment and that shame because think about it, like you know, imagine if your friend got a concussion playing football. And he was like, "Dude, I think I should go to the clinic." Would you be like, "Oh, you're so weak for not being able to get through it on your own? Like you should be able to take care of your brain on your own." No, you'd be like, "Bro, I'm pretty sure you have a concussion. Like you need, you do need yeah. to see a doctor." Like it's uh, all the time you hear people say, like, "Well, you know, if my ankle is broken, I go to the doctor," but a concussion is a brain. It, it's like the same part of your body, so we treat it. We treat a concussion completely differently than, you know, PTSD, for example. And and they're not that different. Like something happens to your brain and it needs care. Only on this side of the fence with concussions, we treat it one way. And on the other side with PTSD, we treat it completely differently. It's so
0: illogical. It is. But I think that comes from that people still see mental health issues as in you're just thinking wrongly. And if you just think differently, then everything will be okay. Yeah, that's a
1: caveat I want to make. Like Mm. Cope Notes whole approach is like think healthier thoughts, you know, train your brain to think in healthier patterns. Um, All of that is great and very transformational, but I'm the guy who founded it and I I see a therapist once a week. So, you can think healthier thoughts all you want and it's going to make a huge difference. I'm not discounting the impact that that can make, Mm. but for some people, I live with five six seven different mental health diagnoses i've experienced very severe trauma for some people like me cope notes is a great thing to help but it's not going to be my whole treatment plan like it's kind of like you know you can brush your teeth, but you should probably also floss. You should probably also go to the dentist. You know, you should probably also not drink soda. There are lots of different components to that. So my encouragement to anyone listening is like, use cope notes. You don't need a, a, a diagnosis to use it. You don't need a prescription. You don't need to share personal health information or anything like that. It's really simple. Lots of people can use it. But if you're someone living with multiple diagnoses and could benefit from more treatment, don't stop there. There, like you said, there are so many great resources. Just, mm. I encourage you to use more than one.
0: Well, um, what do you think might stop someone using Cope Notes? So say someone comes across, you know, your website, or they you know they see one of your TED Talks, etc. What do you think might stop them going? Actually, do you know what? I'll just pop my number into that. There's a free trial, isn't there? So they could pop their number in for a free trial. Mm-hmm. What do you think might cause a person to hesitate?
1: So, two things come to mind. Um, The first is two things that I've experienced. So, the first one is um, if I pay for a mental health resource, what does that say about me? You know? Okay. Like, once you commit to using something, it kind of makes it real. And you're like, ugh, am I, like, identifying as someone who would benefit from mental health support? So, there was, like, that self-stigma inside of me, which I encourage you like, bro, in, in 2022, if you can identify as someone who's willing to use mental health resources, that's a point of pride. You should be proud of taking that because you are ahead of the pack. There are a ton of your peers who are not ready to do that yet. So in my opinion, it should be the opposite. You should be like, yeah, what does this say about me? It says that I take initiative in my life. I take care of myself. I'm mature and responsible. But the other thing I see is people saying like, oh, I don't have a mental health diagnosis. Like I don't have a formal diagnosis. So then I don't need to use a mental health resource. And my my caveat there is kind of like, yeah, I mean it's to use the teeth example, it's like saying, Well, I don't have cavities, so I don't need to brush my
0: teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it that's makes no good, sense. Yeah, no, like not at all.
1: And and also Cope Notes, we did we did studies with a university and they found that Cope notes was effective for people living in that mild to moderate symptom range. So people who just get stressed every once in a while, maybe they get bummed out here and there. They're not really living with multiple diagnoses like me. And it's still Proved that Cope Notes was effective for those people. So basically what I have to say is if you have a cell phone and a brain, Cope Notes can help you.
0: I, 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 I think it's so essential, especially, you know, I'm a guy talking to a guy. And yeah, it's interesting in the mental health world. I've just been talking to this on another podcast about how many men don't access mental health resources because of the shame around mental health. And it's something that I like to promote is in it takes an incredible amount of strength and, uh, you know, to be, put yourself in a vulnerable position and ask for help or uh, seek a helpful resource. So it's really, as I say, it's really refreshing. When I, caught, when I caught your TEDx talk, the way that you were talking about it and the way that you're so relatable to your audience... With, and, and and so open with everything that you've been through is, as I said, I think that leads a lot of people, a lot of men to actually seek help through a service like yours, or just to seek help from, you know, what would be, you know, suitable for them if, if they're, uh, you know, hesitancy with Cope notes. But what do you think about men and mental Dave, health? What do you think is going on there for, with your experience?
1: I appreciate you saying that a lot. And also someone asked me the other day on Saturday they were like isn't it hard to like tell people that you've attempted suicide or to tell people that you've experienced abuse or you know to talk about that stuff and i was like bro it is not as hard as waking up every day and pretending that none of it happened to me it's way harder to like play that character of the person who's always fine and has everything put together. Like that takes more effort. Trust me, because I've done both mm. in the past. And I think there's a tendency among men to, um, to equate strength with not accepting help. And even actually, it's really funny. My, uh, my current girlfriend, I had to move apartments. I moved from Tampa to Clearwater and I was moving apartments. And my girlfriend was like, hey, let me come help pack up stuff and move boxes. And I was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And she was like, you're going to try to move by yourself. <laughs> you won't allow me to pack stuff up and carry boxes. And I'm like, well, I just know you have a lot going on. I don't want to bug you. And she was like, this is what I'm talking about. And she kind of broke it down for me, like, this is why men wind up getting sick, because they don't go to the doctor, and this is why men struggle with stuff, because they don't ask for help, and then when it's offered to them, they don't accept it. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're so right. Like, I'm here subconsciously equating my strength to my ability to handle things without the help of others, but honestly, if you look at any man who is accomplished and intelligent and um, morally sound and generous and all the things that you want to be as a man. If you look at those men, they are people who have greatly benefited from the help and support of other people and are very quick to tell you so and very quick to ask for it. So I think what, we've, what we have to do as men is stop pretending that we do everything without anybody's help and understand that Asking for help is actually a tremendous show of courage and strength and wisdom above all else. It is a fool who does not ask for or accept help.
0: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of shame, isn't there, that comes with not being able to do it by yourself, but not being able to achieve by yourself. It's almost like we dilute that success if we do it with the help of other people. So somehow it's become invalid. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's just got to be me. It's just got to be me. Uh, I think we've all we've all been caught up in that trap. But do you know what is it? That's what do you think? Do you think it's getting better for men in when it comes to mental health, or is it still? Do you think there's a still strong lag in people just in coming forward because they're just going to do it by themselves, no matter what what society says is useful.
1: So I started working in this field like in public advocacy and peer support and stuff in 2011 and it's now 2022. And when I first started doing that work, every single board meeting I was at every nonprofit board that I served on every organization that I would do a lunch and learn for bro, all women, I mean, 12 women at a table, 30 women in a conference room, like not a dude to be found anywhere and now it's not balanced but i am seeing like you know i'll um you know i'll start coke notes will start working with like a um an insurance company or something and we're introduced to their director of behavioral health and it's a guy and i'm like what this is new i have like not met a lot of guys in the behavioral health world so it's it's still there's still a hesitancy for men to kind of um, be involved in advocacy, but I'm seeing that we're chipping away at it. Like each time someone listens to your podcast, Paul, mm. each time someone listens, they're either a man or they are married to a man or they are they have a father or a brother or a coworker or, or a friend or something. And each conversation that a man participates in related to mental health is proof of positive that you can talk about depression and anxiety and whatever other symptoms you're facing without the world exploding, without people shunning you and turning you away. And ultimately what we need is the conversations that you're having on your podcast. We need about 750 billion more of them over the course of the next couple of years. And I think it is making a difference. It's just a very slow, gradual difference, but it's still a difference worth making.
0: Oh, absolutely. And one of the things I've noticed, which is a, slight irritant, is a slight irritant, is how people who talk about their feelings, men, are classed as woke. You know, it's a. I don't know if that's a <laughs> term they use in America, but it was, it's a term they're using a lot over here. That you know, there's someone talks, you know, a celebrity talks about their mental health, or you know, so they're you know they're being open, they're opening up, and they're being vulnerable, and suddenly they're woke, and it's so, there. So again, I, I see this shaming and shutting down of people being vulnerable, and, and it's, as I said, this is why as you know, I applaud people like you. You know, anyone who comes on the show, anyone who talks, you know, publicly about what they've been through with their mental health is, uh, you know, it's a, a courageous thing to actually do. But what do you think? Do you heard much of, of the whole woke thing? Anyone as celebrities being, you know, labeled very quickly, negatively?
1: Yeah, I've also seen a lot of people saying like, oh, that person's just saying that for attention. Mm. And... I understand that there could be people out there who are using mental illness as like a way to garner sympathy from fans or, or whatever. I understand that there are people who do that. I also understand that it takes an incredible amount of self-love and courage to speak publicly about what you're living through and knowing full well that it could affect you know how your friends and family view you how your professional relationships how those people treat you like n- there is a tremendous assumption of risk in sharing that and i think what we can do to support people who are sharing is to acknowledge like this person probably thought really deeply about whether or not they were going to share this publicly and at least give them the benefit of the doubt and encourage them to say like hey man Kudos, like respect for saying this out loud because each time someone does that, it inspires 10 more people to open up. And those people inspire 10 more people. And eventually we've reached the population of planet Earth. It just takes a while.
0: No, I, I agree with you. There's a lot going on in the media around, you know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and Meghan Markle and lots of people, you know, mental health is being brought into the into the public eye and it's been debated and it's these conversations, some helpful, not so helpful, but at least it's out there. I guess that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's always like kind of muddy waters. Mm. Like whenever mental health or mental illness comes into the spotlight, there's a 50, 50 chance on whether or not it's like, you know, Lady Gaga starting a foundation that's supporting youth, You know, it's like, oh, heck yeah, that's awesome. Or another um, celebrity who like experiences a psychotic break and like calls in a bomb threat somewhere or something. It's like, oh, geez, like this is a lot of good and bad PR for mental health right now, and it's it's a challenge that I hope. Eventually, the, the good news around mental health and people being open and vulnerable um, starts to outweigh the negative news so much so that people stop being afraid of the term mental health as a whole.
0: Yeah, uh, because I, I I work holistically, and when, the, the thing that I focus on the most about mental health is you have to look at the you know look at the gut microbiome more than ever. We're looking at um, you know exercise. We're, we're looking at you know being out in nature. All of these things have a positive impact on on mental health. Do you do you do much at all holistically for your mental health? Is there any tips that you would give to anyone who is listening to this right now? Anything that's helped you?
1: Yeah, these are going to sound so simple and silly and trivial, but they have helped me tremendously. Number one, waking up at the same time every day has helped me a ton. I worry less about when I go to sleep and more about when I wake up. So normalizing that has helped my brain a lot. Also, I drink just a silly amount of water to where I've actually taken pee breaks in the middle of podcast interviews before. Okay. (laughs) So I try to drink a ton of water. And then the third thing is, um, walk for just a couple minutes every day, because your brain as simple as it sounds needs oxygen. And when you walk, It helps pump some oxygen into your brain and it really helps me think about stuff more clearly. So if you're experiencing brain fog or you're experiencing depression or anxiety or whatever, if you can walk for 10 minutes, just listen to a couple songs or don't even have your headphones in at all and look at some trees and feel the sun on you for just a couple minutes. Wake up at the same time every day and drink water. Those sound so silly, but they're also free. And they're also very simple to implement. And I encourage you, if you make habits of those things, I hope that you experience the positive mental and emotional and physical health benefits that I have by implementing those really simple things.
0: Just listening to you talk about the sleep thing, I was reading the other day that your gut microbiome has its own circadian rhythm, its own body clock. And it can get upset if you don't go to bed at a certain time and wake up at a certain time so that it disrupts your serotonin and your your dopamine production so it's interesting that you say that i just wonder how much of an impact these things actually have on us um just wanted to ask you very quickly before we uh before we wrap up i could talk to you all day about uh cope notes and i said anyone who wants to subscribe to cope notes i heartily recommend it please do uh check out their website in the in the show notes um before we go is there anything exciting you right now in in mental health that you think that will that you'll be adding to cope notes uh, or or doing something with with your business at some point
1: um one thing that has made me really excited recently is the focus on caregiver support i When I started working on Cope Notes and even before, honestly, this is going to sound really crass, but I didn't really think about people who were administering mental health or mental health services. I mainly thought about people who needed them. So I was thinking about people like me. And I think the pandemic has really shown people like not only do individuals like you and me need support and not only can we benefit, but also think about the people who are like, who's manning the phones at the crisis text line. True. Who's who are your caseworkers and social workers at your local agency? Who's helping support foster youth? Like, do you understand the mental and emotional strain that those people experience in their daily work? And then they go home and have to have like a normal conversation with their husband or have to have like, you know, have to deal with whatever happened at their kid's school that day. Like those People are so freaking brave and strong and generous. And I think COVID woke everybody up, all of that like first responder and um frontline healthcare worker um awareness where people are like, shoot, like there are people who hop into an ambulance to go pick up people who are hurting and they see those hurt people and mm-hmm. then they go home. Or there are people working in hospitals who have to help sick people and they they've watched people pass away like. That um, compassion for caregivers and people, uh, providers, people who give of their time that way in their career is something that has been top of mind for me lately and something that I, I look forward to continue continuing to serve those people because I have an even greater reverence for them now.
0: Wow, wow, no, I love it. That, that sounds very exciting, very exciting. And if people wanted to find out more about you, Johnny
1: and, and cope notes. Where can they find you? Yeah. So cope has all the cope notes stuff. Johnny crowder.com has all the Johnny Crowder stuff. And then, um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and then I'm on Instagram at Johnny Crowder loves you because I do.
0: Uh, I'll put all those details in the show notes I just want to say thank you so much Johnny for coming on to the show it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone listening to the show it's been a pleasure again for you to spend your time with me it's an absolute honour and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode thank you